Today's scripture reading is Romans 8, 28 through 30. We know that God works all things together for good, for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know this because God knew them in advance, and he decided in advance that they would be conformed into the image of his son. That way his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Those who God decided in advance would be conformed into his son, he also called those whom he called, he also made righteous. Those whom he made righteous, he also glorified. Good morning, church. Wow, it feels good to say that. Um, missed you guys last week. It's been um, the first time since I have been your preaching minister here that uh, I've missed a Sunday because of illness, and the rumors of my death were greatly exaggerated. <laughs> a little. On to the message for this morning. If you took two words away from today, this one I hope spurs what the last two words are, and you'll know what the last two words are in a minute. But that's true, isn't it? Storms happen. Say that with me. Storms happen. They just do. As a matter of fact, Jesus wanted us to understand not only that they occur, but how to navigate them so well, he included in his de developing discipleship training at least two moments in which the disciples had to endure storms and records those for us to learn from. He literally gives us a seat in the boat to witness how these disciples react to the storms that enter their lives and how Jesus hopes they'll respond to those storms when they come. Not if. In this world you will have many troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Storms are going to happen. And you know, if it wasn't enough that the disciples uh, experienced two storms, Jesus leaves us a record of telling a story about a storm, a made-up story. The Bible calls those parables. And Jesus shares a parable that all of us are aware of in Matthew chapter 7. That's going to be the springboard for our message this morning. You know this one well. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and puts them into practice, is like... A wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains came down, and the streams rose, and my how the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Oh, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice, let me tell you what he's like. He's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And again, the rains came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great, great crash. Pray with me, church. God, if you have a word for us today in this word about storms, we're inviting you um, to invade our lives with truth those storms that come into our lives both with warning and without, please speak today through this ragamuffin of a preacher. And where we are deaf to the point we couldn't hear without your intervening, I'm asking God, please, allow your spirit to move and motivate our ears to hear so that we not just understand storms better, but we obey you better, that we follow you better. Now, that's not just our prayer. We also lift up Holy Cross Lutheran Church we know, Father, you have disciples there, and we ask that you continue to unite our hearts, not just as we face the remnants of Storm Harvey together,
but as we face the storms that rock this community constantly and consistently together, the storms that rage against the name of your son, his reputation, his truth, his grace, help us, Father, stand united in Jesus and Jesus alone. We can't do that. You know we fuss and fight way too much if left to ourselves. So please, Holy Spirit, do your best work and unify our hearts so that we could be the body of Christ, especially in the midst of a storm. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. I've never had a friend or a family member connected to a hurricane before. We've had a few here in Texas in my lifetime. Harvey's changed all of that. My daughter Lauren and son-in-law Tyler live in Houston, Texas. They're within walking distance of Energy Stadium. It's because Tyler works as a trainer there and they wanted to live close. When we began to hear the potential track of what was then the tropical storm Harvey, we called and invited our kids to come stay with us. Tyler was scheduled to be out of town working the New Orleans Saints game with the Texans. The storm was forecasted to hit Corpus Christi primarily then. And Tyler made it clear to my daughter that he would feel much more at ease if she would come and stay with us. Not my oldest. She assured us that Houston City officials didn't see any real threat to the storm <laughs> based on their computer forecasts. Yes, they would receive a great deal of rain, maybe 10 inches tops, <laughs> but nothing to be concerned about. Besides, the school was closing for safety's sake, and she was looking forward to a time that she could enjoy the apartment just to herself and prep for her English classes and hang out with Sadie, her cat. She assured us she would be all right. She wasn't all right. No one could have predicted nine inches of rain an hour for nearly four straight hours. No one could have predicted nearly 52 inches of rain falling in such a short span of time and the devastation that would come with that. I know you've probably reached saturation point with all the flood pictures in the news lately and on your computer screen and on Facebook. But that was a picture of Lauren's apartment building that was taken at the very peak of the water rise in Houston property. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> That's not very threatening. <laughs> the reality of it is it wasn't. But she didn't want to show us the other pictures of the rest of her apartment complex. She didn't want us to worry. When you start seeing photos like these, though, you know something, something big is happening. When you see pictures like this, and the distress that's on those folks' faces, and, and if you have any empathetic bone in your body, you begin to think, how can that be? That could have been my daughter being carried out on some rescue worker's back. After two days of the storm, Lauren called us. We were checking on her nearly hourly at certain points of the storm, but after two days of that storm, she called and said, I so wished I'd have come home with you guys. She was absolutely fine in her apartment. The water never got higher than what you saw there in that picture of her apartment complex. But she so wished that she was home. <laughs> she called me two days ago and she said, Dad, I promise you, if there's so much as a thread of three inches of rain, I am on your doorstep. <laughs> Things change. Now, some of you have family and friends with stories of complete loss. 
loss of homes and cars and furnishings, and in many cases, no flood insurance. Had a chance to do a little hog hunting yesterday with um, some of the Taylor boys. And Grant was there in Conroe, Texas with one of his buddies helping him clean up a house that's totally destroyed, not an ounce insured. I'm just curious, how many people in this room have family or friends directly, not, not I mean minimally, I mean directly connected to Harvey and its flood? Raise your hands high. Look around, guys. The devastation sweeps nearly every one of our families. It touches us in almost every one of our hearts. And I think it's a valid question to ask, what's the Kerrville Church of Christ going to do? What's our response as a church family? Let me give you three that we have minimally so far. The first is this. We want to offer our prayer support. Say prayer support. That's where we start. Because we never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. Amen? Never. That's where we start. God encourages us to start there, especially in the midst of catastrophic needs. That we bring Him the the numbing brokenness and the intense hopelessness and the pain of loss that's associated maybe not directly with us, but those that we love and we care deeply for. I can't imagine losing everything material to me. I can't. My house, my vehicles, my clothing, family heirlooms. I can't imagine losing a family member. And some people did. Some people who, like my daughter, stayed because they thought that they were okay. They weren't okay. They lost their lives. And some who were part of rescue efforts to rescue people who did stay lost their lives. It's a huge tragedy. Devastating beyond any word that I could put on a piece of paper to try to elicit any empathy or emotions But God says this in 46, in verse 1 of one of the Psalms that King David wrote. Would you put that up on the screen, guys? God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Because that's true. Hebrews 4 and verse 16 is true. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We always start with prayer support. Always. And so that's what your leadership is encouraging you to do as a church family here. We start with our prayer support. If you keep a prayer journal, please put in the top five those who've lost greatly because of Harvey and those who are trying to intervene to help those who've lost greatly. Because many of them still will be putting their lives at risk to go and be a part of that rebuilding and that cleanup. Number two, we're going to offer our physical support. Say physical support. Okay, prayer support first, physical support second. And we mean that as a leadership, we're encouraging you where you can, with you, your energy, your effort, your time, please be a part of the cleanup and the restoration of those damaged areas. Please. This week, three of our own traveled, as you've been hearing this morning, Victor Cummings, Ricky Pruitt, Gary Davidson, those are at least three that I know of, there may be more in our church who were boots on the ground to try to be a part of the beginning of the support efforts to clean up and to rebuild. Victor and a few of his friends were a part of a civilian army of rescuers that you've heard tons and tons about. People who who took their recreational vehicles, their boats, and turned them into rescue vehicles 
Thousands upon thousands, Victor said, were rescued by just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Many of them, if not most, were Christians. Gary and Ricky took needed supplies of water, diapers, clothing, food items to strategic distribution centers. And we're just getting started. Our men's mission effort already this fall is being steered away from uh, McAllen, Texas and turns toward Rockport in Houston to do what we can as a group of men to assist and clean up in the rebuilding efforts. But we're not stopping there. We want to organize a family event where husbands and wives and, and, and women singles and men singles can get together and, and age-appropriate young people to go and serve as a team, as a family and we're trying to do our best to get the logistics right so that we can make those invitations available to you. They'll be out in our atrium for you to sign up for and be a part of. But men know that's our men's advance is going to be to advance down to Rockport in Houston to serve where we can. We truly do want to be the physical presence of Jesus. Yes, prayer support is important. It's where we start. But we want to offer our physical support as well. I want to be a people who don't just understand the concept of loving neighbor well. We want to be a people who love our neighbors well, especially when they're in distress and in the ditch. And so that's why we're taking specific effort to do that. I tried all week long. I really did. Didn't really start this message till yesterday. Because I was trying all week long to, to look at the next text in 1 John in our series on lights out. And I just couldn't get there. I couldn't. So I put that aside for the upcoming week. And I thought if there's any, any time to talk about what's going on and it being connected to us being lights out, it's now. It's now. Because it seems so surreal. Boats were meant to be in streams and in lakes, not in streets and highways. But those are the images that we saw over and over again. That's Victor's boat that he and his buddies were serving in. And it looks like maybe those are boat docks. No, that's an apartment complex where cars are parked. And there's a boat in there rescuing people. That could have been my daughter's apartment complex. Thank God it wasn't. Parts of it actually looked like that. We never got to see those pictures, though. I'm glad we didn't. Thankful for guys like Victor and Ricky and Gary and those of you who are going to be a part of those boots on the ground. But then there's pictures like this one. I mean, people in a nursing home have enough to try to navigate in that stormy age of their life. And then all of a sudden, a Harvey wreaks havoc in their lives. And the water goes from ankle deep to literally waist deep in a matter of about 45 minutes. Now, when I first saw that picture, I thought, well, that's kind of a heartless picture. <laughs> I mean, someone stopped to take a photo instead of spending that energy to get those people out of that water. But then I came to find out that was a strategic photo that was taken because this person understands the power of social media more than I do. And they took that picture and they shot it out like a, a, a technological 911 on Twitter. And they used that picture to get some help when nothing else was working. You couldn't get through with phone calls. And sure enough, in less than about an hour and a half, rescuers came. And they got every single one of those members to a very safe place about 20 miles up the river. <laughs> Not the road, but the river. They even got free booties. You notice the fuzzy socks there? They're happy campers, aren't they? Wow. They were women of La Vida Bella in Dickinson, Texas. Hurricanes are not just something that they hear about. It's something that they lived through, literally. 
with the help of some people who understand what it means not to just know the concept of neighbor, but to live neighbor, who are being lights out in the darkness that, that happened to come into people's lives because of Harvey. I don't know, maybe it's the avalanche of media. I don't think so. I think it's the magnitude of the devastation and it just being so close to my home. And one of my own being literally right in the middle of it all. She could have been one of the, the ever-growing number of casualties. They find more and more people who didn't make it, that they thought maybe had gotten to safety. But they, and so the number of deaths increased literally every single day still. What a nightmare. And only if it could be a nightmare that we could wake up from it and all of a sudden all that devastation and hurt and loss is gone. But it's not. It's real. And there's a reason that we're talking about it this morning. Storms happen. Now, are there any lessons to be learned from it all? We heard a couple of key thoughts that were shared on Fox News by Max Lucado that I thought were awesome. And a couple of those thoughts are going to influence some of the points that I'm going to make here. Here's the first point, number one. Stuff doesn't last, relationships do. I could probably be reminded of that every day sitting in my cereal bowl waiting for me to start the day with. Stuff doesn't matter. Relationships do. Harvey, however, has reminded me on a different level. I think almost any catastrophe can take away the myth that our stuff matters so much in our lives and remind us that people matter more. As I've listened to interviews with evacuees and survivors, it's easy to spot what they're not talking about. No one's lamenting a lost high-definition high television. You know, the new ones that have come out with the 15 million pixels that you can have a sharper image. No one's lamenting about losing one of those. Or their SUV. Never heard of a teenager that was on one of those particular television shows, one of those news correspondents asking them what's going on in their life. No one said, my Xbox got trashed. Lost my blow dryer. Don't know what I'm going to do. If there's any mourning at all, it's for people that have been lost. If there rejoices for people found, I skipped this one a while ago, guys. Would it be too hard to go back to Officer Perez? When he first heard about what was going on with Harvey, he was off duty. 34-year servant of the community there in Houston, Texas. Put his uniform back on, got in his patrol car, but didn't even make it to the police station. Hit a low spot. Water made its way into the cavern of his automobile, his police cruiser, and killed him. People matter more than possessions. In a land where we have more malls than we have high schools, in a land where there's more debt than savings, in a land where there's more clothes to wear than we can wear, could Christ be saying through Harvey this word from God? It's Luke 12 and verse 15. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. <laughs> Seeing a demolished $70,000 truck there amidst the debris reminds you. In the background, our minds hear, I think, the gentle whisper of Christ, maybe in, better than any other time. A guy who owned just a pair of sandals and the clothes that was on his back Matthew 16 and verse 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? 
Great questions like that get asked because of catastrophes like Harvey. Raging hurricanes and swollen bayous are attention getters for that question, maybe better than any other attention getters that I know of. They have their own unique way of prying our fingers off the stuff that we love. What was once everything, now it's nothing. And in a moment, we're reminded that what we once ignored demands our full focus of attention. I've been reminded in a powerful way this week, first lesson, your stuff doesn't matter, your relationships do. Second lesson, different together is better than the same divided. What do I mean by that? Different races, different political parties, different views of Scripture are better together than they are divided. Throughout my high school history, I kept hearing this phrase over and over again, separate but equal. That's a myth. Segregation is proved. That's a myth. Segregation not just among schools or among colored of skins, but also amongst us in the church has proved separate but equal doesn't work very well. And you know what? Usually it takes a catastrophe to prove that that's true. Because catastrophes are great unifiers. We saw and we're now seeing the power of a common cause and a common need renewing uncommon respect amongst people of color. Not just one color, but all color. Lifeboats didn't discriminate by color of skin in the last couple of days. Rescuers didn't ask if the needy were Republican or Democrat. Helicopter rescues weren't offered only to the rich or the educated or the Lutheran. Just people came together to help just people. And I believe with all my heart, love and action leaves a mark even greater than any disaster in action can. And so can we take note of that, church? We don't have to have a storm to prompt us to help others in the midst of their own storm. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work in us every single day. Every single day to prompt us to see the storms and where we can be rescuers and rebuilders in other people's lives. Somebody in your office could use your assistance. They aren't stranded on a rooftop, but they're struggling with a questionable oncology report, I promise you. Someone in your neighborhood could use a friend. They may not have lost their house, but maybe they've lost their husband like one of my neighbors did this last week. Please, church, let's welcome Harvey to remind us Stuff doesn't last, but relationships do. Different together is better than the same apart. And then this last truth. This world doesn't work, but the next one will. This world does not work, but the next one will. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. That may be one of those verses that you kind of just read over until a Harvey gets dropped right in the middle of your life. The whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Wow, did you hear the groanings the last couple of days? Almost deafening. Paul says to Christians everywhere, pay attention to those birth pangs. Because of the birthing of a new world that's coming soon. No doubt the creation is third trimester heavy. Love that quote from Max. The creation is third trimester heavy. Do you sense that? We're getting close. 
And the birth pangs have to occur before the new birth of a new world occurs. I don't know about some of you guys, but if memory serves me correctly, and the scars of my arm remind me thoroughly, during birth, the pain of the contractions of a mother-to-be sometimes can be alleviated a little bit by reminding her of this beautiful baby that's about to be placed in her arms, but not so much. But one of the things that helped most from my memory was saying, just a little bit more. They're not going to last forever. As a matter of fact, the more intense they become, the closer we are there, babe. Hang on, here we go. We're closer than we ever have been before, church. And as we get closer to the end, the scripture reminds us in Matthew chapter 24, the pangs are going to increase. Distress is going to increase. Stress is going to increase. Don't be caught off guard by that. It's what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples. Don't be caught off guard by that. Don't be disillusioned by that. Don't be discouraged by that. Because it's the beginning of the birth of the new beginning of the best thing we've ever experienced in our life. Calamities and catastrophes, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, must occur before the birth of a new world. But before that new beginning comes, he has a word for us. <laughs> it comes in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6. It's hard to do, though. See to it that you are not alarmed. That's easier to do when you remember another one of the things I remember from my Lamaze classes at Lincoln County Memorial in Ruidos, New Mexico. This is all I took away from those classes. Take some deep breaths and hold the hand of the one who loves you. That'll help you not be alarmed. Take some deep breaths and you hold on to the hand of the one who loves you. I've highlighted the word alarmed because it's, um, it's a unique word Jesus used, I think, only once here. Nowhere else. He says, when this distress and when this, these pangs come, don't be alarmed. It's actually a strong, strong word that means to wail or to cry aloud. The meaning's pretty straightforward to me. Don't freak out when all this starts to happen. It's easier said than done. Jesus promised that bad things were going to occur, but they won't last forever. And so I'm here this morning with this message to encourage you. Take heart. He finished that with saying, I've overcome the world. No matter what size the Harvey may look like, I, I'll overcome that one too. Both the one that's present down in South Texas and the coast, but also the one that maybe you walked in here with. In this world, you will have many storms because storms happen. They just do. And that's a truth that you need to remember. Storms happen. And I don't know what yours is going to look like. It may have a lot less to do with the amount of rainfall accumulated or wind speeds and have a whole lot more to do with an unexpected diagnosis or a divorce decree or, an e or even a death. I don't know what your harvest is going to look like, but I do know this. Storms happen. If you're not in one, there's one that's coming. It's just the way this world is. It's broken. And Christ has been sent into the world to begin a redeeming force called the church, and you're a part of that. A rescuing force called the church, and we're a part of that because storms happen, and people's lives get wrecked by them. But we keep pointing to the one who is the rescuer of rescuers. 
Because at just the right time, God sent him into the world with a specific rescue mission. And that was to offer you, in the midst of your sin-swamped life, a hand up and out, salvation and rescue for your souls at just the right time. Yes, it's true that storms happen, but an even greater truth is grace happens. Storms happen, but I wanted this visual to be in your mind. We'll go back to one of those verses here in a moment. But grace happens. I don't know what you, you feel like maybe you're isolated from, that, what rooftop you might feel on when you walked in here, what emotional struggle or what sin struggle that you're dealing with. But grace happens. And it's happening right now, right here in this place. Some of the most unusual places for people who are wrecked by Harvey's in their lives to come. I hope that they, they grow and grow in the trust that this could be a place where that happens. I think most of the world knows storms happen. They need to know grace happens. And we can be a part of that lights out effort to get the good news to them. Three points, remind you of those, and then we'll conclude things. Number one, your stuff doesn't matter, your relationships do. Different together is better than same apart. And then lastly, this world doesn't work, but the next one will. Here's how I want to close. It's been quite some time ago, another famous hurricane was wreaking some havoc on our Gulf states. And a particular minister in the New Orleans area chose to remind his flock, I love this, of Noah. Amidst the incredible surge of water they were dealing with, this was his verse for the day. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What he did that day was awesome. He reminded the congregation of all things, the stuff Noah couldn't find once their boat reached flood stage. Couldn't find his neighborhood anymore. Couldn't find his house anymore. Couldn't find the comforts of home anymore. Couldn't find the people down the street anymore. There was a lot that Noah couldn't find. But what he could find made all the difference in the world. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you can too. Because grace happens. I don't know what the storm is going to obscure when it rocks your world. Um, is it going to obscure people that, that love you and you just can't happen to you just can't see it? Is it going to obscure blessings that are around you that are present but you just you can't notice it? Is it going to obscure hope for the future that, that you once had but but this storm has rocked out of you, flooded out of you? I don't know. But I want to assure you this morning that if you have your house built on the Lord Jesus Christ, though you lose, it seems like everything, you have everything, all right? You may be left with nothing, but if you have grace, if you've built your house on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everything, but... The same is true. Jesus starts this made-up story with in Matthew chapter 7. If you're foolish and you choose not to build as a foundation of your life, your decisions, your family, your job, your hopes for your future and, your, and the dreams that you... If you choose not to build that on Jesus Christ, you're a fool. 
and your house is going to go splat. It didn't have to be that way because Jesus Christ, the rescuer of all rescuers, is extending a hand and saying, would you let me help you out of that? And he will. Yes, storms happen. Greater truth, grace happens. The blessings will come down, I promise you. We sing about it from the time that we're little kids on a stage like this to times like now. The blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessings come down as the prayers go up. So finish it with me. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than a kid's song, isn't it? Storms happen. Greater truth. Grace happens. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for reminding us of that love this morning. Um, We lose sight of how important relationships are compared to the stuff that we try to hang on to and acquire. Thanks for reminding us this morning that those relationships matter more than this stuff. Father, somehow we get convinced that apart is better than together. Help us to embrace the differences of our culture and the faith even around us as people are trying to follow Christ. Help us to find a way to build bridges into people's lives and not allow there to be moats. Father, I also pray that you'll help us remember this world is not our home. It's just not. And we're just passing through that somewhere laid up is a treasure that's beyond this blue that we can see. Thank you for reminding us this morning that storms are going to happen. But thank you for reminding us even greater that grace happens. Help us to be a people who are lights out when it comes to living grace in this world, especially in this tough time. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. Okay, we're going to have some elders right up here at the front and some at the back, and we would love to be able to assist you in any way we can to deal with the storm that maybe you're being rocked by right now. Let's stand. Let's sing, church.